What will happen in your life if the Holy Spirit just fills your life? Guess, guess why he said, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit in the Bible over and over is painted as, as, a, as wine. Uh, for instance, Mark chapter two, the Bible said, no man puts new wine in an old wine skin. It'd blow it all to pieces. But new wine must go in a new wine skin. He's talking about putting the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to change to receive the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you don't change it, tear everything up. All right, now here's the reason. The reason that he obviously compares the Holy Spirit to wine is that the Holy Spirit does the same thing for you that wine does. With no bitter aftertaste. All right, and there are four things that the Bible says wine does for you. You're probably familiar with this. Some of you are. All right, number one, we had an old saying out in the country years ago. They'd say, well, he sure wasn't feeling no pain that night. Guess what that meant? I mean, he was drunk. When you get drunk, you don't feel no pain. Wine takes the pain away. Then when the Holy Spirit comes in your life to take the pain away, he's taking the pain out of my life. All right, number two, uh, wine will take your worries away. You say, well, it's just temporary. It looks like you could use a little bit of temporary. I mean, it's just... It'll take the worries and the anxiety completely out of your life. You get drunk, you're not worried about nothing. Can I get a witness? Amen. I knew I could. I knew I could. <laughs> Dear ones, the Holy Spirit is given to take the worry out of your life. Why are you worrying about stuff? What can you do about it? He can handle it. Amen. Number three, why make you happy? Yeah, 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 I know that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm preaching. Y'all know all this stuff. Why not make you? I used to be a bartender in Charlotte before I started following Jesus. And those cold winter days, you'd see those businessmen come in there, had their suits on, maybe a top coat on. They, they looked like the weight of the world was on them, just heavy. Well, they'd, they'd get up to the bar and say, usual. After about four or five usuals, they were singing. It just got happy. That's why I was the alcohol. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, dear ones, the Holy Spirit brings happiness into the believer's life. Why don't you listen to what the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as a river. Listen to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. This is Psalm 46, 4. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Holy Spirit sent to bring joy into people's lives. Let me give you one more. The Holy Spirit, uh, well, let me tell you one thing alcohol do for you. Alcohol will make you brave. I've seen mild-mannered people jump on police. Our chief deputy in our city works for us now. I'm in our county, wonderful fellow. He told me he went to his house one night. I'm not going to tell you who it is. He's a friend of mine. And uh, got up there and there's a ruckus going on. And the deputies got out there. And she come out there. She, if she weighs 90 pounds with the keys in her pocket, I'd be surprised. And she wanted to jump on them. And he said, you know, she's, she'd been into that. Well, he called it liquid courage. He said, I told her, you need to go crawl back up in that bottle. Leave us alone. That's what you need to do. Well, alcohol will make you brave. The Holy Spirit's job is to make you bold. What does the Bible say in the book of Acts? It said they prayed and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. How can these people whose lives are on the line stand up boldly and speak about Jesus? You know, the Holy Spirit makes you brave and bold and, and confident. Well, now, can I ask you a question? Who is against happiness and peace and confidence and healing? That's his job. That's what he does in our lives. That's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
Let me tell you something. I think most believers know that God's given you a great gift in His Son. Very few believers know He's given us two great gifts. One came from the Father, one came from the Son. These are the two greatest needs of your life is the gift the Father gave you and then the gift the Son gave you. We know about the first one, we neglect the second one. Let's look at them. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we see the two great gifts that you've been given in life. Acts chapter 2, of course, you recognize this is where Jesus had been crucified. He resurrected from the grave. He went back to glory, went back to heaven. But he told them before he left, he said, now don't do anything. Don't do anything until I send something to you. I'm going to send somebody to you. And when he's get here, he'll do something for you. When he's get here, when he gets here, he'll do, well, he don't make you talk, right? You got to learn that on your own. He'll do something for you. But this is where the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I want you to look at what the Bible teaches about two great gifts you've been given. Acts chapter 2, verse 32 says this. This Jesus, now he's preaching to the, he's talking to everybody about Jesus. This Jesus, God raised up of which we are all witnesses. What did he teach him right there? He's talking about Jesus, the gift of God. I want you to listen to this verse. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give you? His only son, his dearly loved son, so that whosoever could put their trust in him could what? Have eternal life. God the Father gave the gift of his son on the cross. And if you'll receive that gift, you'll live forever. That staggers me to think about that. I still think about the fact that I'm going to live forever. And the close, of course, I'm, through, I'm in the fourth quarter now. The closer I get, the happier I get about it. Praise God, sudden death is sudden glory. And matter of fact, to depart and be with Christ is far better. People say, I don't mind dying. Mind it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I ain't going to get up the next load. I'm, I'm grandchildren and all that stuff. He gave me the gift of his son so I could live forever. But that's not the only thing he gave. Let's read a little bit further in this passage. He goes on to talk about what Jesus did. Verse 33, therefore being exalted or raised up to the right hand of God, Jesus rose from the dead. Where's he at now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Romans chapter 8. What's he doing? He's praying for you. He's at the right hand of God praying for you right now. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see. What did he say? The Father gave his Son on the cross so you could have eternal life. The Son got to heaven, received the Holy Spirit. What did he give you? The Son gave you the Holy Spirit. The Father gave you His Son for eternal life. Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit so you could have abundant life. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was to give you the next life. The Holy Spirit is to help you in this life. Two greatest gifts you've ever been given. Let's read verse 38. Peter said to him, repent. That means turn to Jesus. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the removal of your sins and you shall receive the what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What the Bible promised every person to turn toward Jesus? A gift called the Holy Spirit. Now, let me, uh, I think there's some bad teaching in this area. Some people say, well, that was just for that, that immediate era. I've actually heard a lot of people teach this. That was just for that period of time and they needed him to get the church started. Well, if they needed to get in charge, to get it started. I need him today to keep it going. Amen. And a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit's not available today. Well, let's read the next verse. Verse 39, the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off. The promise of the Holy Spirit is to everybody down through the ages. And listen to me, you need two gifts. You need the gift of salvation through Jesus and you need the gift of help in this life through the Holy Spirit. Now, <clears throat> question. 
Can you be a Christian, a believer, and you live your life without the Holy Spirit? 90%. Absolutely. You can. And the Bible has some things to say about that. There's a picture of a man in the Bible who tried to live his life without the Holy Spirit. And it's just a glaring picture of this is what it's like. The young man's name was Timothy. Two books in the Bible written to him. And Timothy was a young man who was living without the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And it was rough. He was struggling. And let me tell you something. He was a good boy. You can be a good person, not know the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Timothy is as good a boy as you'll find. He, he was a young man, very young. Some people would say he was too young. But Paul, who was over all these churches, he sent him to be the pastor of one of the largest churches in the world. There were 27 churches mentioned in the New Testament, three huge mega churches. And he sends him to be the pastor of one of these huge mega churches in Ephesus. And uh, it's rough on him. The Bible, first, the Bible talks about, said the old women was beating up on him. I understand that. He needed a little more of what I've got. And uh, it was just hard. He had stomach trouble because of it. Probably else. That's why I said, remember, take a little wine for your stomach's sake, frequent infirmity. It was just rough. It was wearing him out. And his beloved father in the faith writes him and says, the problem is not that times are rough. The problem is that you're not, you're not depending on the Holy Spirit. He said, we don't need to make things better around you. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why don't you turn and look at that with me? First uh, Timothy chapter four. People talk about the tough times we're living in. Yeah. He said that's coming. Let me encourage you. They're going to get worse. If the Bible's true. Friend, the answer is not to have a perfect outside. The answer is to have somebody on the inside. The answer is not to get everybody to cooperate with you. The answer is to get the Holy Spirit to fill you up. This is God's answer for life. It's not to get the road smooth. It's to get the power of God to get over the roughness. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 4, he's writing him. I want you to look at what he said. Now, remember, this young man's getting beat up pretty bad. Life's rough on him. I, I think, personally, I think he wrote a letter and said, I need out of here. There was, please listen to me. All through the Bible, all through life, our Father's answer is not to get you out of a mess. It's to get in the mess with you. Let's change our thinking on that. 1 Timothy 4 says this, verse 14. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. What did he say the problem was? You're ignoring the Holy Spirit. Neglect means ignore. Now listen, he had the Holy Spirit in him, didn't he? Every belief, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. This is one of the most amazing truths. The very Spirit that caused Jesus to come back to life from the grave is in this body right here, right now. Don't you think about that? Know ye not, 1 Corinthians 6, know ye not that your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Every believer's got the Holy Spirit inside of him. The same Holy Spirit that carried Jesus across the waters inside of you. He's in there right now. But he can be in there and you not even know it and it do you no good whatsoever. Yes. See? So he was neglecting the Holy Spirit and uh, it was, it, that's why life was so rough for him. Turn one page. He says this to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. I remind you, you got to stir up the gift of God that what is in you. What he say? He's in you, but he ain't doing you no good. He's not helping you. He's in there, but he's not, he's not helping you any. Then as the Bible says in Romans 8, if a person doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they are not children of God. Well, every born again child of God's got him in there. So well, he's not in me. If you're born again, he's in there. But he can be that dormant and you not know about it. He said, now you got to stir up the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. And then verse seven teaches us something. He said, God didn't give you a spirit of 
fear. All right, dear ones, and by the way, that fear is not the usual word fear in the Bible. That's the word phobia. This is the word that we would interpret. Intimidation, beat down, struggle. That, that struggling, can't do it. God didn't give that to you. God gave you a different spirit. Tell me about that spirit. God didn't give you a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. What's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Can you see that the Holy Spirit was in him? And if he would learn to stir up the, what does the Holy Spirit do for a person in that verse? Three things. Power. Well, that, that power is uh, strength, courage, confidence, boldness. Uh, but, but I want you to notice something. And then it says compassion. Let me tell you something. If it's the Holy Spirit, you'll always see those two things together. Now, I know some people that are bold and cocky, but they're snotty. And they couldn't care less whether you lived or died. They're, they're, they're confident, but there's no compassion. They don't care about people. Then I know other people, they're very caring, but they're scared spitless of their own shadow. What does the Bible say? The two things always be together. Boldness and compassion. God didn't give you a spirit of fear where you're scared to death of the future and you're worried what people are thinking about you and you're nervous, are we going to make it? That's hell. The spirit he gave you is one of boldness, confidence, and compassion and a sound mind. That was in him, but he didn't know how to turn it loose. He didn't know how to stir it up. And he said, you don't need a new job. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it was obvious that the Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have him in you and not be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can have wine in your back pocket and have no effect on you whatsoever. <laughs> Terrible picture, but it's the truth. Life without the Spirit. No, you, you can't do that. Um, you think people can tell when believers are out of wine? John chapter two, Jesus came up in the church. They was having a wedding in the church. Jesus came up, Jesus' mother came up to him and said, they've run out of wine here. Well, I know they was talking about Boone's Farm or Ripple or whatever they serve there. <laughs> if they even make that junk anymore. I can tell when people are out of wine. I can tell when I'm out of wine. Let me, one of the strangest passages in the Bible, Acts chapter 19, the Bible said Paul was traveling. He came to a town, he met some believers he spent time with them and he said to them, verse two, have you never heard of the Holy Spirit? Why would a preacher meet some Christians and ask them, y'all never heard of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit? Why would he ask them that? Apparently he could see something and listen to their answer. We never even heard of the Holy Spirit. How sad that so many, I think most believers have heard of him, but dear ones, he, he is the neglected third person in our lives. Amen. Got to bring him back. Gotta let him have our way. This is a dumb illustration, but it's the best I can do. <clears throat> That's not it. Pardon me. <laughs> um, when our kids turned 16 years old, we bought them cars because we had a deal. You make A's, we make cars. A's for cars. That's what we did. It's just nice. I wouldn't be nice. I just knew if they made good grades, got a good job, they'd take care of me when I got old. I wouldn't be nice. I was looking out for the future. So that, I want you to concentrate on your study. I'll take care of the cars. So we bought them cars. And uh, they drive them to school. We live 10 miles from the high school, the southern part of the county. We and I get up one morning and we're all there getting ready. And my daughter says, I'm going to school, daddy. I love you, baby. Bye. Get your stuff. And she goes out the door and I look out and she's walking down the driveway. 10 miles to school. I said, hey, sweetheart, what are you doing? So I'm, I'm going to school. Why don't you drive your car? Well, I'll just walk. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm not going to make her drive that car. It's my, I gave it to her as a gift. She can walk if she wants to. That's dumb. 
Everybody say dumb with me. That's dumb. Now listen to me. I steal my daughter. <clears throat> I'm still going to love her. I'm going to wonder about it, but I'm still going to love her. <laughs> you understand that? That's just dumb to walk to school. And see, plus them girls, they was all, you know, they was all frou-frou and all, they all decked out. You'd be sweaty by the time you get to school. That's just dumb. I gave them that gift to make life better for them, easier for them. If you, if you ignore the Holy Spirit and you don't experience Him, you're still going to be His child. He's still going to love you, but why? Why? Don't neglect the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you. We need Him. We don't need life without the Spirit. Let me tell you this. Also concerning the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a fruitless life. If you ever wanted to help anybody, it's only by His Spirit. That's why 90% of what I see going on in churches and ministers today, it's a lot of elbow moving and a lot of human activity, but not much eternal value. Only the Holy Spirit can cause things to happen of great eternal value. And any person that experiences Him can do that. Listen, religious activity and church activity is not eternal fruit. Only the Holy Spirit can make things happen for eternity. I don't want to point something out to you. See, and then I'm going to ask you a question. You can say yay or nay. Jesus was born to humble parents. He lived in a poor, little poor area. Everybody was poor back then. His dad was a uh, carpenter. We think of a carpenter, but he was really built furniture. Probably that little shop behind his house or beside his house. He lived in a little village, small village named Nazareth. Everybody knew everybody's business. And Jesus grew up in a home. He had four brothers because Joseph and Mary went on to have four more boys, had sisters, at least two sisters. So we got at least seven children living in this little house. And Jesus grew up in this little town. They were good Christian uh, religious people then, Jewish people. Went to synagogue, went to church. Uh, well, how many of you would think Jesus was probably the nicest boy in his town? Probably the best boy in his town. I've often thought about this. Imagine only two people on earth knew who he was, his mom and dad. Everybody else just thought he's that nice little Jewish boy. Only two people who knew who he was. How'd you like to raise God? Well, there's, they were just a normal home, probably a little above average. <laughs> they go in there, you hear a squabble in the next room, you go in there and there's an argument. Well, you know it ain't Jesus. <laughs> probably Judas. He had a brother named Judas, not the Judas that betrayed him. You don't, you don't, I bet Jesus never got a spanking. How'd you like to tell God time for you to go to bed? <laughs> That's how he was raised until he was 30 years old. Nobody had a clue. He apprenticed with his father, Worked in that little shop. Nobody had a clue. There's only one thing strange about Jesus growing up that people wondered about him. What was it? He never got married. See, in that culture, marriage was just automatic. You live for marriage. Girls were married by 15, 16, 17 years old. Boys by 19 or 20. We well, you know Joseph died somewhere between Jesus' 12th birthday and his 33rd birthday. We don't know when. So they always thought a little strange. Nicest guy in town. But he, you know, never got married. He just lives with his mama, does the furniture out there. Just an average guy, just a nice guy. 30 years old, what happened? He went to the Jordan River. He was baptized by John Baptist. The Bible said he came up out of the water. It said as soon as he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit of God came down from heaven on him, landed on him. And then Jesus said this, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. The Holy Spirit's come upon me. He's empowered me to bring good news to humble people heal broken hearts, set captives free from their sin, give people the understanding to the meaning of life, liberate people who've been hurt by other people, 
and teach people how good God wants to be to them. When did Jesus start helping people? After the Holy Spirit came on him. Why would I think I could help somebody without him? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do what he did, me and you need him too. If you want anything of eternity, you say, I'm, I'm not going to preach the gospel. Hey, look right here. You want to raise children, don't you? You need the Holy Spirit of God to raise children. I, you need the power of God in your life. We desperately need him to do everything we can do. I, I pre- young preacher friends of mine, that's why. I, my ministry, I just can't get it going. That's, listen, you, you're trying to do through education and effort and goofy programs what only the Holy Spirit can do. Get to know him and it'll be there. All right, let me address an issue about the Holy Spirit. He's got a bad reputation for being weird. Might as well say it because a lot of weird people claim that he makes them be weird. As I've said earlier, they'd be weird without him. They're just weird people. A lot of weird people on the earth. Y'all noticed it doesn't make you weird. The Bible says, we're going to look in the Bible. The Holy Spirit makes people wonderful. Let me tell you, what the Holy, he's, he's called the, his name is the Holy Spirit. He makes people holy because he's the Holy Spirit. Now, if you heard religion, your, your brain's messed up. You've been trained wrong. Dear ones, holiness does not mean to become religious. It don't mean you quit smoking and cussing and chewing or, or whatever. If, you, you know, if your boyfriend wants you to quit that, probably a good idea. And you don't become religious. You don't start talking religious. You don't, I, the spasms come from your back, not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> holy, let me tell you, let me, here's the biblical definition of holy. Like Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes people like Jesus. He don't make them weird. Let's turn and look at it. Galatians chapter five. This is where the Bible says, if the Holy Spirit flows into your life, this is what you're going to see. This is what he does for people. It's like joining the Marines. They lie to you. Now, God don't lie to you. The Marines will lie to you. You join and they promise you, you're going to see the world. Yeah, yeah, you're going to see a latrines, what you're going to see. And they, let me, Marines do certain things. So I can always tell people when they get out of Paris Island, I'll tell you where you've been. Then when the Holy Spirit comes, this is what he does to people. And let me, please listen to me. If you see anything else except what you're fixing to see in the Bible, disregard it. Bible right, grandma wrong. I didn't get but one out of that. We got, well, I could try that again. Let me, let me walk back over here. All right. Bible right, grandma wrong. I'm not knocking your grandma. I'm just saying Bible right. We got we to start going by the Bible. All right. The Bible clearly says this is what the Holy Spirit does for people. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit, just stop right there. If you'll go out into my orchard about June, July, and you'll see apples hanging on trees. All right, stay with me now. This is fixing to get deep here. When you see them apples hanging on the trees, tell me what kind of tree that is. It's an apple tree. You know how you know it's an apple tree? There are, no, there are no labels on them anymore. You know how you know it's an apple tree? Thank you. It's got apples hanging on it. it. Listen to me. If you see apples hanging on it, it's an apple tree. If you see a Christian who claims to have the Holy Ghost and you don't see this on them, I don't know what they are. This is what you see in Christians if the Holy Spirit's in there. The fruit of the Spirit, can I say it this way? What you'll see on the outside if the Spirit's working on the inside. 
Years ago, my son, he's just a little fella, just belt high. We were walking behind the barn down a, a line, fence line one day looking at it. And he, he discovered something. See persimmons on the ground, persimmons. He said, what's that? And I said, those are apples. <laughs> well, he looked at him and you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to argue. He said, don't look like apple to me. I said, I've been to college. I got a college degree. That's apple. <laughs> Beware of people who try to tell you something just because they got a college degree. Can I get a witness? Amen. And he, I could tell he was torn. He wanted to say, you idiot. <laughs> but he didn't want to disrespect his dad. But he knew good and well it wasn't apple. Finally, I said, I'm jerking your strings. Son. I said, I'm lying to you. I said, that's called a persimmon. I said, all your life, people are going to do that to you. They're going to call white, black, and black, white, and right, wrong, and wrong, right. I said, listen, when you see something and God's shown you what it is, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And uh, I've met believers all my life. They claim to have, sort of sound like that old Dodge pickup. You couldn't get tracked. Holy ghost. But this wasn't what was in their lives. Mean, selfish, ugly, ugly hairdos. I'm going to get killed. Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit, what you'll see on the outside, is love and joy and peace. The first three, he gives you those. The last six flow out of those first three. Tell me what's the number one thing you're going to see in a person's life when the Holy Spirit fills them. They're going to care about people. The love of Jesus is coming in. It was the, the love of God is the greatest element in the world. When you meet somebody and they're wild and they're cantankerous and they're goofy, but they don't care about people. I don't know what spirit they got in them, but it ain't the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the love of God in your life. You hear people say, I'm, I'm trying to love them. That ain't right. You're not supposed to try to love people. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Brian. It's not the fruit of trying. It's the fruit of the Spirit. When he comes in, he, he just does it. And you're going, God, all of it. Sort of like Gomer Powell. What's the second thing the Holy Spirit brings in your life? He brings happiness into your life. He says, well, Actually, it's joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. They're close enough. The Holy Spirit makes people happy. You get around spirit-filled people, there's just a quiet joy about them, and they're just, they're just happy. What's the third thing? He brings peace into your life, which means that there's... Listen, this peace has a personality to it. It's like peace is standing beside me and doing a good job. Peace means absence of worry and fear and anxiety. It's just quietness. Listen, when you meet people filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to care about people. There's a happiness about them and they're at peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the work of God in people's lives. Now, can I ask you a question? Who's against this? It's good right here. I'm telling you so much misinformation, so much craziness. I th listen to me. Disregard the craziness and stick with the good. Are you with me? Do, do preachers like to eat chicken? Especially wings. Why would anybody eat a wing? I mean, ain't no meat on them. Just to get you a filet. And... That's weird. <clears throat> eat the meat, throw the bones away. I had a dear friend of mine. We were dear buddies. He, he was from the coal mines of Kentucky. And he, he made me look polished. So, you know, he was backwards. And he was country as a turnip green. His name was Daryl. And uh, he said, my wife got off in that Pentecostal stuff and said she drugged me one of them meetings one night. And he said, them people's crazy, hollering and screaming in my ear and all of them speaking French. <laughs> said, I couldn't understand a word they're saying. <laughs> I said, they was just carrying on something fierce and said, at the end of that service, they got to running around and two of them grabbed me. 
and said, they got me up there at the altar. And one had about one by each elbow. This ain't God right here. Had by each elbow and said, they, they said, we're going to pray till he gets the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues. And said, they talked about praying through all night. He said, I thought I got to go to work in the morning. I can't stare all night like this. They said, they had me preaching. He's a little small. Fish. I couldn't get away from him. And they're screaming and jumping around there and waving their arms. And I thought he was going to bop me on the head. I said, well, it was coming. And he said, he said, I didn't want to be in there. Listen, I need Jesus. And he said, you know, I got to thinking, I got to get out of here. And he said, I thought to myself, remember Andy Bryan came and taught us when y'all been to India and said, taught us that little chorus in Indian. And he said, I remembered that chorus. So I started singing that little chorus in Indian and said, when I'm hollered, he's got it. And they turned me loose. <laughs> I said, buddy, when they turned me loose, pow, I went out that back door. Throw the garbage away and keep the God. Keep the good stuff. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Not faith, faithfulness. If I say I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll be here. Humility and self-control. Why are you trying to control stuff that he'll do for you? You know the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, temptation gets whooped pretty bad. I still get tempted. But listen, if you're at that place where you get tempted and you go, not again, not again, you need the Holy Spirit. I get tempted. You know what I do now? Really? Really, sucker? Thunk. You say, you something. No, 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 no. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's Him. All right. Charles Stanley who says, I don't speak in tongues. Now, I pray in the Spirit all the time. Charles Stanley don't speak in tongues. But Charles Stanley wrote a book called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And that's, Charles has been a good boy all his life. Charles is a good man. I don't think Charles has ever burped in his life. I mean, he just, Charles is just good from, he sleeps in that coat and tie, I promise you. <laughs> Charles is just a good man. He's disciplined. He eats perfect. He makes me sick. He eats perfect, yada, yada. But Charles said, as a young Christian and as a young minister, my life was such a struggle until I learned how to walk with the Holy Spirit and it changed everything. And then he wrote the book called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. Now he's not Pentecostal. There was the Holy Spirit, it's for people. It's for everybody, it's for all, for everybody. And uh, let me just ask you a question. <clears throat> I got to find out where your mind's at. When you think of Christianity, what do you think of? Well, you, say you think of the Christian life, what do you think of? Normal, what's normal to you for the Christian life? What's great Christian life to you? Everybody's got their different things. I mean, I've, I've always been amazed at this through the years how crazy people's thinking is, especially when I was a country preacher years ago. I'd hear people say, now, you know, there ain't no finer woman in this. My mama, my mama's the finest Christian in this church. She's mean as hell. I mean, she's self-centered. Never saw her smile. She didn't smoke. She didn't cuss. She didn't drink. I wish she had. <laughs> She didn't chew tobacco, but she'd cut your heart out if you crossed her. I, that, I guess that is, but it ain't to me and it ain't to Jesus. Let me show you what Jesus, Jesus says. No, this is normal life with me. I'm going to show it to you. Turn with me to John 7 where Jesus describes this is normal faith life right here. This is Jesus' life. And this is the, I think this is the greatest picture in the Bible of how you're supposed to live your day-to-day -day life. Getting saved will get me into heaven one day. 
turning the Holy Spirit loose in my life will get heaven into me now. Amen. Jesus died so you could get into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit so heaven could get in you today and live in you today. All right, John chapter 7 is the greatest picture of the normal Christian life. Whatever you want to... Now, I didn't say average. Average ain't normal today. Normal. 37. John 7, 37. Last day. Great day of the feast. Jesus stood up and cried, If anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What did Jesus say? Y'all need something? Come to me. If you need something, come to me. And what did he say do? Just drink. Now, the Holy Spirit painted as water, wine, oil, bread, different things in the Bible. But Jesus said, what's Jesus say? Anything you need in life, come to me and get it. See that religion says, try to do better. Jesus said, come to me, come to me and drink. And then he said this verse 38, he who believes in me out of his heart or his innermost being will flow rivers of life-giving water. Can you see the picture? You come to Jesus and you receive something and then you walk around, it just flows back out. Next morning, you come back and Jesus receives something, walk around, it just flows back out. You just take in from Jesus. Float. That, this, this is normal life right here. It's not Jesus saying, don't cuss, don't drink, try to do better, witness, be sure and witness, and you try to do what he says. No, you go to Jesus and you receive something from him and then it just flows back out. What's he talking about here? Read verse 39. This he spoke of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Tell me what life's all about. Going to Jesus over and over, being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the Spirit from Him, and then it just flows back out of you. Now, when He said that rivers of living water would flow out of you, do you think folks don't need a mop of around you? We're not talking about H2O. What are we talking about? Words. Words of life. Words of hope. Words of encouragement. Jesus came to bring good news. Man, people lined up. People begged to listen to Jesus speak. They wanted to hear what the man had to say because when he spoke, his words had life to him. You can have the same spirit in you that Jesus had in him. Same words of life. This is normal life is to just receive, pour it back out and receive and pour it back out. That's normal life. This is a good life right here. This is a whole lot better than trying to do better and living under the shame of I'm not a very good Christian. Well, praise God, everybody knew it. Just go ahead and admit it and run to Jesus. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. And quit trying to do what only God can do. Amen. Let me make an announcement. Jesus is the only person that can live the Christian life. Go to it. All right. <clears throat> now let's get down to the nuts and bolts of how this works. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to do two things in the Bible. Without these two things, you're going to be like those disciples in Acts 19, or you're going to be like Timothy. You've got to do the best you can with what you got. I don't want to do the best I can with what I got. I'm not very impressive. He's wonderful. Two things have to happen. Number one, you have to live in repentance. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to live a repentant life. I didn't say a religious life. I'm not very religious, but I want to live a repentant life. And that simply means this. I can't have sin in my life and hold on to it and cling to it and tell God you leave me alone and have his power too. Amen. You can't have sin in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about making mistakes. I sin constantly. Look right there. See how black that is? I crushed my thumb in a hinge yesterday. Ask me if I cussed. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> I'm not talking about living a perfect life. I'm talking about living a repentant life. Just, when you miss it, you repent. I want to make it right. I'm talking about putting your fist in his face saying, don't mess with me here. Can't do that. It was if there's sin in my life, the Holy Spirit can't be there. Because remind, remind you something, he's the 
Holy Spirit. Right. It can't be Resenius. You're the, I'm the same way. If I go into a home and there's profanity and cursing and dirty movies on and people are hating each other, I'm just going to leave. I ain't going to say, but I'm just going to leave. I'm old enough I can do that now. I don't care if it's my boss. I'll find a new job. I ain't sticking around that mess. Well, the Holy Spirit, certain things you just can't be around. And uh, the Bible said, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He's real to me. And then verse right out, second verse after that, it says this, if we'll just confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Just, just repent. Listen, let, let me help you. God doesn't forgive excuses. Quit blaming other people. He only forgives sins. I got to get the sin out so I can live. All right. Here's a simple picture. Down near our house where we live, there's a mill called Lindley Mill. It's easy to find. It's on Lindley Mill Road. And uh, they, they do mill, they mill flour there today. Uh, in the 1700s, a man named Mr. Lindley, long time, I was just a young boy, 1700s, long time ago, uh, Mr. Lindley came to that area and saw that the farmers were there. So he decided he'd open a mill there. All right, there's a little river flows there. Uh, and uh, that little river, literally just a big stream, flows there. So he built a building beside it. And beside the, to the edge of this building is a huge paddle wheel, huge. And that wheel has got paddles on it, catches the water. Well, as the river flows by, it hits that wheel and the water flowing turns that wheel. You've seen these before. And there's a shaft from that wheel that runs inside that mill. Well, connected to that shaft is a huge stone called a millstone. Two of them, matter of fact. You got one lays flat this way, one is up like this. And where those two meet, that shaft turns this one and it turns those two wheels, they grind against each other. You take the corn, the dried corn, and you pour it on that wheel. It goes, grinds it through that wheel, and then you get cornmeal. And the deal was, the farmers would bring their corn to him. He'd grind it on that mill, and he got a percentage of the cornmeal for grinding it. And then they made their cornmeal, or their cornbread, the rest of it. That's, that's a miller. Well, Mr. Mill, Mr. Lindley comes down here one morning, and there's silence. No noise at all. Something's wrong. He goes in there and the wheels are not turning. Nothing's happening. Well, you can't grind corn if the wheels don't turn. So he goes out back and he finds there's nothing wrong with the paddle. He looks and the, the water's not flowing in the river anymore. Not a lick. And so he begins to walk upstream and he travels and he gets up there a couple hundred yards and he finds out that beavers. There are a lot of beavers in our area now. Beavers can build a dam overnight. They built a dam and it blocked that river. Can't get down there. And they're stopping the water so that nothing happens. Well, now he's got to make a decision. He can do one of two things. He can go back down there to his mill, get the corn, put it on the wheel, grab that wheel, turn that sucker. Try, well, it ain't going to happen. It weighs hundreds of pounds. He can try, in his own strength, he can try to get the job done. That reminds me of so many Christians. In his own energy, he can try to make it happen. Or he can do the smart... Everybody say dumb. Oh, I'm glad the children are over there. If they, they, don't, they won't talk like this. Or he can go up that stream and find out what the problem is and he can remove the dam. He can either blow it up with dynamite because you could buy dynamite back then at the hardware store. He can either blow it up. I could when I was a young man. He can blow it up or he can just pull it out. The river can flow again and the power will be there to turn the wheel and all he's got to do is just put the corn on it. If the power of God is not in my life on any given day, I know exactly where to look. What have I done that has grieved you? 
what's the blockage between me and you? Dear ones, don't try to do it in your strength. Get the garbage out. Get the junk out. Matter of fact, I believe the Holy Spirit have us look at that. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 says, blow the dam. Guess what, big, guess what beavers are a spiritual picture of? Demons. Beavers are demons. Demons are always working in my life to build a dam to block the flow of God's Spirit. And let me help you with something here. Those demon beavers, they're not going to try to block the flow of God's Spirit in my life with some hussy trying to run me off to Mexico with her. I'm too old to go anywhere with anybody. <laughs> They're not going to destroy me by stealing money from the church. God's blessed me tremendously. Solomon said this, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's not the stuff that's going to get us in trouble. That's not the stuff. I know so many Christians don't have an ounce of God's power in their lives. They don't cuss. They don't chew. Well, I don't, let's just read it. Ephesians 4, 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You grieve the Holy Spirit of God, He quits working in your life. Look at verse 30. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, loud quarreling, evil speaking, put it away with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. What's He going to build the dam with? Not cocaine, not alcoholism, bad attitudes, resentment. Bitterness. How many Christians have I known that served as deacons in churches? They was the women's missionary woman. But somebody done something 20 years ago and they tell you, I'll never forgive them. Then you'll never know the touch of God in your life. That's right. This is the stuff that's crushing people today. Yes. And I know it's very unhip in our culture to forgive people and smile. It's very cool with God. And you got to make a decision. I want the Spirit of God working in my life. Got to get this junk out of my life. Got to get him out of there. The Holy Spirit's known as a river. I'm going to quote it again. Psalm 46, 4. There is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God. He's there. But you got to let him flow. So no more I got to live a repentant life. I got to make up my mind. I, I just don't understand why people still would cling to something as stupid as sin when they can have the power of God in their lives. Okay, I'm off of it. I, I overdid that. I'm sorry. I repent. I repent. But listen to me, you can live a squeaky clean life and still not. Timothy was a fine young man. He had no bitterness in his life. Why did he not have the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me quote it again. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. You got to stir it up. He said, you got to stir him up. You're neglecting him. I do as the Bible says, you've got to stir up the Holy Spirit of God. You got to, you got to get with him every day. Every morning I get up and I think, I got to make a decision now. This is a faith life. Every day you got to choose to walk by faith. And every morning I wake up, I can say, my bursitis is bothering me. My back hurts. Kids are going to the dogs. Even the dogs are going to the dogs now. I can fuss and crab and whine and be just as miserable. I wake up every morning, I say, praise God. Praise God. I had a warm bed to sleep in last night. I'm safe. I got a beautiful home. Jesus loves me. I feel, I feel, praise God. I got legs to get out of the bed with. I got a Savior over me. And, and you just start. And you know what happens? Before long, just inside of you, get all stirred up. 
and I get out in my place and I get in the Psalms, and I get to praising God and I'll just get, I'll rear back, get to singing and just pick out and listen, sing simple song, the simpler, the better. Don't get complicated and deep. You won't remember the words. Man, I just get out there and get to singing every day with Jesus. It's sweeter than the day before. Every day. Sometimes I sing it in Spanish. Every day with Jesus. I love him more and more. Just get to singing, having the best time out there. And for long, you just sense down here. Listen, the spirit of God's not in your head. He's down here. And you'll just sense something just sort of rise up inside of you there. You think, Listen, don't quit then. Say, oh, we're going now. Praise God. Jesus saves and keeps me. You just keep singing. It just gets bigger and bigger inside of you. And then you just need to keep a low grade song going in your heart all day long. I'm going to go back and quote it. We didn't look at it. Ephesians 5, 18 said, understand the will of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's not a period after 18. There's a comma. 19 says this, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20 says this, giving thanks. The Holy Spirit lives in an atmosphere of gratitude and worship and thanksgiving and praise and celebration. And why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I be singing all the time? I was supposed to have been in hell by now. I'm 15 years. You talk about stupid, malignant, stupid. I'm 15 years old and thought I was Superman. I'd done something wrong one night. Police was chasing me. I'm in a field. There's a little sway in that field. I'm laying in that sway in that field. Police all over the place looking for me. And I got in my hand a 25 caliber revolver. Cheap Saturday night. Special. I'm going to shoot it out with the police if they find me. Uh-huh. That's malignant stupid. I was supposed to have been in hell by now. I was in a joint. One, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I was in a joint one night in Spartanburg. Got in a wreck us down there. Had a sawed off shotgun. All of a sudden police was all over the place. I just laid that shotgun down beside the car, crawled up under the car and laid there. And uh, this is dumb cops right here. You know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. If I'd have seen a gun laid on the ground, I'd have looked under the car. There's no doubt about that. They was all over the place. They found the shotgun. I remember one of them saying, somebody meant business out here, didn't they? Never looked under the car. I just laid under there. They left, got up and left. I donated that shotgun to the Spartanburg Police Department. That's what I did. <laughs> Could you see I was so stupid as a kid? I should have been, I should have been in hell by now. I mean, my best life should have been in prison right now. God's blessed the fire to me. Got a woman that loves me, beautiful family, great home. My wife should have cut my head off in my sleep first year we was married. The sheriff would have pardoned her right there. I got nothing but thank. I'm, I'm a blessed man. I should be worshiping God all day long. I didn't mean getting all that. I'm sorry. Just erase all that if you want to. Here's the deal. Praising my Savior all the day long is what the song says. And you just stir up the gift of God. And listen, it, it, he's a person. The Bible calls him a he. It's not a feeling. He's a he. He's standing right here right now. He's in the room right now. I can sense he's in the room right now. But listen to me. You learn how to walk with him just like you do any other person. I'd learn how to walk with my wife. Get along with her. Still, still learning. Thank God. You got to learn. Well, he, you know, you learn some people. They don't like this then we ain't going to do it no more. Can I get a witness? I smoked like a freight train. I met my wife. She, I'm smoking in hell. Same thing to her. Guess when my last day of smoking was? You can have Marlboro or you can have Mama. Which one you want? Well, the Holy Spirit does some things he don't like. I'm going to tell you, he don't like religion. Tell him, tell him. He's going to be helping me here. You just learn how to, my point is you learn how to walk with him. It's that simple. All right, I, I got to wrap up. We got. I, I want you so much, dear ones. The, 
The Father has a plan for your life. I do not want my, I, my plan for my children's life is not that they suffer and suck eggs. Why do religious people think like this? Why do they write stupid songs? Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Why don't you fly away now? <laughs> Why would you want, well, see if you, if you sing this mess and believe this mess, it's going to be on you. Be it unto you according to your faith. Well, I'm tired and somebody asked me to sing this at a funeral one time. Should have been their funeral. Oh, that probably wasn't a real good day. Well, I'm tired and so weary, but I must go along. I ain't singing that. I ain't tired and weary. I'm ready to go. I'm sorry. Here's my point. Your father's will for your life is not that you struggle and suck eggs and do the best you can. He gave you his spirit so you could live an abundant life. A life of peace and joy. Now, trouble-free life? Yeah, it's coming. It's coming and we'll bring you some flowers. Put it on your rock. The trouble-free life is the next life. The glory life is this life. Matter of fact, in my old age, I've got so cocky and sassy. I'd rather be in the fire with Jesus than to not have it with nobody. We've started worshiping luxury in this nation. We need to get back to worshiping Jesus. All right, it's not supposed to be a life struggle. It's supposed to be a life. I'm going I'm to change a song for just a minute and then I'm going to let you go. There's no, I like old songs. I like the new songs too. Some of the best songs ever written being written right now, but the old ones had, had a lot of truth in them from scripture. One used to, used to sing an old song went like this. <clears throat> oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Well, now that's true, but can I change it a little bit? According to the Bible, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not know the Holy Spirit of God. He came to bring peace into our lives and take the pain away. There is a place, quiet rest, near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest. Tempted, yes. Whooped, no. Troubles, yes. Defeated, uh uh-uh. As my beloved brother Paul, he said this. He said, I'm perplexed. How many of y'all are perplexed at the days we're living in? I am perplexed, but I am not in despair. I think people are crazy, but it ain't bothering me. That's another translation right there. People crazy as a loon, but I'm still hollering and celebrating. Perplexed, but not in despair. That's the Holy Spirit. All right, I've done my part. It's your, it's your job to get to know Him. He's the greatest gift ever been given. If you're born again, He's in there. Stir up the gift of God that's within you. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. You just... Why in the world we will receive the gift of eternal life through the Son, but we won't receive the gift of abundant life every day by the Spirit has always been the great mystery of my life in the ministry. But I want to thank you and praise you. I thank you that there is a cross, that Jesus is real, that this is reality. This is the truth of the life. Lord Jesus, the older I get, the only thing that makes any sense on this planet anymore is the Word of God and the Son of God, and the love of God, and the life of God. I thank you that you created the heavens and the earth. You created people to know you personally. Our rebellion drew us away from you. But your dear son's sacrifice can bring us back to you. I pray for every person in this room, get to God. Don't get to religion. Don't become religious. Just get to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that by the cross, we can get there. And I want to praise you and thank you that there's room at the cross for every person. 
Oh, how I wish, oh, how I wish I could cause these people to understand at heart level how much Jesus loves every one of them. Well, Holy Spirit, I can't do that. That's your job. That his eyes on them. He cares about them. He created you. He loves you. Why don't you just come to Jesus right now? If you've never just opened your heart to Jesus and said, take over, let's do it right now. Right there where you're seated, Jesus said, whoever calls on my name will be saved. Friend, the Savior is waiting to come into your heart. You'll receive it. Let's do it right now. Pray with me a simple prayer. Seated right where you're at. Pray in your heart. Dear Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died on that cross because of me. You're coming back someday. I know you are. I want to be there. I want to be yours. Best I know how, I turn from my sin and selfishness right now. And I just open my heart to you. And I receive you into my life as my Savior, my Lord, and my love. From this day forward, you're the best friend I ever had. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. You're the love of my life. You're everything from today. I don't understand all this means, but I'm following you anyway trusting you to show me what to do. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for saving my soul for all of eternity. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. If you prayed that, raise your hand real high. All right, put those down. Dear Jesus, I love you. I want to pray for believers now to receive the Holy Spirit of God and just open their hearts to Him. Well, dear Jesus, the Holy Spirit can't come in where the unholy spirit's got ground. I pray right now in this moment, people would just say, search me. As King David said, search me, O God. See if there's anything in here that blocks you. Is there any bitterness, hatred, anything that's in the way of, of just being filled with the Holy Spirit, just the love and life of Jesus? Well, I'm not going to go through the list. Holy Spirit, you talk to. And I pray right now people just say, it's not worth it. Ain't worth it. This junk's got to go so he can come in. I repent right now. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. All right, dear ones, name it. Tell him what it is. And confess your sins to him. Tell him I'm sorry. Ask him to help you. Ask him to take it away. Just call it what he calls it. Some of you need to forgive people that really, listen, what they did was terrible. What they did was terrible. I know it. What they did to Jesus on the cross for you was terrible. But you're forgiving them not for their sake. This is for your sake. And you just say right now in the name of Jesus, they're forgiven. Dear Jesus, they don't owe me a dime. I bless them in Jesus' name. They're forgiven. No bitterness, no hardness. I repent. I forgive my dad. I forgive that man. I forgive those people. And nobody owes me nothing. Not one ounce of ill will toward anybody. No resentment. I love everybody. And I clean my heart in that direction. And dear Jesus, if I need to make it right with somebody, I'll do it. If I stole something, I'll go see them. I'll ask them to forgive me. I'll ask my wife to forgive me, my children. I'll ask my I'll tell my parents I'm sorry. I'll make it right. I trust you for that.
Now, dear Holy Spirit, I welcome you in and all your fullness. I just praise you. I'll just open my heart to you and I'll praise you and bless you. I'll sing your song and thank you for your goodness. I receive the Holy Spirit of God in full measure in my heart, my mind, my life. Teach me how to walk with you. Teach me how to stir you up. Teach me how to believe in you. Let the Word of God come alive to me. Just bring it to life, Holy Spirit. I thank you and praise you. And I'm going to worship you and praise you all the days of my life. I'm going to celebrate your goodness. I need you. I need the power of God in my life. I thank you so much for your goodness. And I'm going to keep doing this. And I I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to ignore you or neglect you. I just didn't know about you. And I ask you to forgive me. Teach me how how to walk with you. Teach me how to say good morning every morning since you're right there. Teach me how to listen to you. Teach me what you like. Teach me how to smile again. Teach me how to rejoice. Teach me how to give every every problem I got to you. Teach me how to dance, dear Holy Spirit. Teach me how to hear the good news. Thank you for hearing my prayer. You're so good. I pray this prayer in the strong name of Jesus precious son of God who poured you out so I could live life and to give you all the praise in his precious, precious name. I pray. Amen.